this dunya, this entire world, this life of ours on world, our education, our degrees, our job, our career, our profession, our families, our neighbor, our home countries, our temporary place of residence, this world and every single thing it contains is funny, is fading, is slowly and slowly wiping itself away. Is Darul Ghurur, is the abode of deception, delusion, distraction from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Akhirah is Darul Baqa, it's Baqi, it's everlasting, eternal, endless doesn't even fade. The Akhirat is Darul Surur, is the abode of all happiness, all eternity. I want you to understand how incredible the Akhirat is. Imagine the most incredible structure and building that exists on this earth. Imagine how many architects and engineers spent so many years planning it, and how many years they would have spent building it. And how each part was designed like that. Now think in the Akhirah, Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam said that the smallest place, smallest level of Jannah that a mu'min will have will be ten times the size of this earth. Now you could take that to mean ten times the size of planet earth. You could, there would be wasat in, there would be the potential in the meaning to take it to mean ten times the size of the entire known physical universe. That's also possible. It could mean ten times of this earth. It could also mean ten times of the whole physical universe. Now imagine how incredible that Jannah is, just in size, that the smallest level of Jannah, if you take it ten times the size of this earth, then inside Jannah, every single ni'mah, every single blessing, can you imagine how incredible Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that He created that entire Jannah just by saying, Kun, Fayyukun. Allahu Akbar. <laughs> no stages, no planning, hmm? no design, no gradual construction. This earth was created the Dirij. That was because it's a place of makhluk, it's a place of atsam, it's a place of bodies. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it through a physical, gradual process called the Big Bang. Because it's nakis. And that realm, because it's kamil, because it's perfect, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala simply look at the power of His irada, the power of His kudra, the power of His will, the power of His might. 
All he said was kun and that incredibly massive jannat with all of its features and details and intricacies and every single ni'mah already in place for every single jannati ma tashtahi anfusahum. Everything was placed there just by one command. Allah Ta'ala said, kun fayukum. Allah Akbar. And me and you were created for that jannah. Wallahu yad'u ila daris salam. After Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made that magnificent, endless, unfading realm and abode, then He invited all of us to it. How foolish we would be if instead of dedicating our lives to that akhirah, if we were to dedicate our lives to this dunya. Hmm? Let me give you an example. That if there's some dish that you like, or you know that there's a friend of yours who when they invite you over for dinner, they cook up a storm, they have a feast, they have five, ten of your favorite dishes. Will you stop on the way and have the HMC fried chicken? <laughs> no way. <laughs> you won't even look inside that restaurant. If they tell I give you free bucket of chicken, yes, I'm not interested. <laughs> I have zero interest whatsoever because I know that there's something better that has been prepared for me personally because he's my friend and he's prepared it for me and he's invited me. Therefore, I can ignore every restaurant on the way. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is our true friend and he has prepared that true Jannah for us. We should feel it personally. We should feel that ayah on our heart. Wallahu yad'u ila daris salam. We should feel that we've gotten a personal invitation card from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with our name on it. And he is calling us to that abode of everlasting, eternal, unfading peace. We should not be caught up in the distractions of this world. That's why our Mashaikh ulama used to say that in comparison to the Akhirah, the whole dunya, the whole physical universe is nothing more than the wing of a single mosquito. Nothing means trifling, inconsequential. Our ups and downs, both of them are inconsequential. Our accomplishments and our failings, both of them are inconsequential compared to the accomplishment that a person can have in the Akhirah or compared to the failure that a person can have in the Akhirah. In this world, a person cries if they suffer some loss in their business. They cry if they fail an exam. They cry if they don't get in the university they wanted. They cry if this didn't happen, that didn't happen. They become sad, depressed over the failures of this world. (laughs) Imagine what will happen to that person who shows up on the Day of Judgment in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and has to come face to face with his failure in the Akhir. Hmm? That they failed the exam of Taqwa. They failed the exam of Haya. They failed the exam of Batani Akhlaq. They failed the exam of Sunnah. They failed so many exams. Hmm? That is the real failure that we should be afraid of. So it's very important that we should know what is called the hakikat of the dunya. What is the reality of this world? Our Mashaikh said that if you were to dip your finger into the ocean, however little water comes out on your finger, that is the reality of this whole dunya and the ocean is like the akhirah. It has no weight whatsoever. You could get the entire dunya and it would be nothing more than a drop of water compared to the endless river, endless waters of the ocean. Another sheikh said that the world, the life of this world, is just like you stay under the shade of a tree, 
just to get some rest and you pass by. And that's what Nabi Akrim said in the hadith. Now almost everybody knows this hadith. Live in this world, be in this world like you are a stranger or a traveler on the path. But this hadith is not about al-fad, it's not words. Sayyidina Abu Hurairah did not write this down or show it to the Prophet and that, look, I memorized it or I wrote it. Nabi Akrim would say, I want you to bring me that life. Live a life that feels the meaning of this hadith. Bring me that lived life in which you actually feel as if you are a stranger in this world. Do you feel like a stranger in this world? No? It's home, sweet home. Right? Do you feel like you're a traveler? You know what a traveler feels when a traveler walks in, they don't notice anything. <laughs> they have istigna, they have inkita, they're not attached to anything. They're just passing through. How many of us can say our heart feels like that about our worldly life? Whether it's our job, it's our business, it's our shop, it's our home, it's our flat, our car. We don't even have any aspect of our dunya where we feel this hadith. Can we say, okay, nine out of ten things, I feel like it's my home. But one thing, I feel like it's a passerby. No. Every single thing in our feelings about dunya is against the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam. So don't think our deen is just about halal and haram. Yes, the sharia in our deen. Teaches us what is halal in the dunya and what is haram in the dunya. And Nabi Kareem Sallallahu also taught us how we're supposed to feel about the halal of the dunya. The feeling we have about halal of the dunya is we are a stranger to it. And what is our reality? The feeling that we have about the halal of the dunya is that we're a lover of it. The best of us can say that I don't love the haram of dunya, but I'm absolutely in love with the halal of the dunya. Right? And that's not the way Nabi Akrim Sassam was. And that's not the way he taught us. And that is why no one can look at a person's dunya and judge them. It's only on the day of judgment that it will be revealed. Whether a person is what we call shaqi or sa'id, whether they are depraved and they will be in abomination, or whether they will be happy, they will be in joy. That's what Allah says in Quran, لِمَنْ الْمُلْكُ yom. To who belongs the dominion, the sovereignty on this day? لِلَّهِ الْوَاهِلِ الْقَهَارِ To that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that one Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that almighty, all-powerful, dominant, sovereign Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us that line in this world. That dialogue is going to happen on the Day of Judgment. But Allah ta'ala in Quran told us in advance that there is going to be a day in which each and every one of us is going to stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a caller will call out and ask this question that to whom belongs the power and dominion on this day? And the answer will be given that to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Why? Why did Allah ta'ala tell us in advance? Why in this world do we need to know the conversation that's going to happen on that day? Because we were supposed to feel it in our heart every single day. You know, when we wake up in the morning... We have our own to-do list. We have our own plan of what we want to do today. I have to do this today, this today, this week, this this week, this this week. No, what we should be thinking about is that day. That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants. That what am I go- what's going to happen to me today that's going to affect my day of judgment? What am I going to do today to fix that day of judgment? 
what can I do today to make up for things that I've already done in the past to fix my day of judgment? A person must live their life focused on the Akhirah. One of the Mashaikh used to say that this dunya is like a shadow. Ajib, the dunya is like a shadow. When you run after it, it will move away from you. When you run after it, it will move away from you. But if you proceed on your own destination, your shadow will follow you. What does it mean? If you try to chase your shadow, you can never catch it. You will go ten steps, your shadow will go ten steps ahead. But if you ignore your shadow, and instead of trying to follow your own shadow, you simply go to wherever it is that you're going, you go from the masjid to home, you will see your shadow follows you. So what does it mean? What is our maqsad? What is our destination? Is akhirat. If we orient our lives towards the akhirah, the dunya will follow us. And if we try to orient our lives towards the dunya, you will never be able to catch it. You will just play a game of hide and seek, and you will never be able to catch up with this. Sheikh Salman Darani said that the dunya desires that person who runs away from the dunya. And the one who desires the dunya, the dunya will run away from them. <laughs> that person who spurns the dunya, runs away from the dunya, the dunya will desire that I want to be in the pocket and in the home and in the barakah of this person's life. And that person who himself desires the dunya, the dunya will run away from them. And you will find so many people, and many of you are in your 40s and 50s, you would have seen this in your life, that that day that you made an intention to chase the dunya, to obtain the dunya, you saw how it slipped through your fingers. You made an investment decision that backfired on you. You tried to plot and plan a business that didn't work out for you. Why? If you chase it, you won't be able to catch it. But if you are focusing on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, akhirah, He will put that dunya onto your feet. Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu in one hadith, more well-known hadith that most of you know, Hubba dunya, ra'sukulli khati'ah, that love for the world is the source of all evil and all sin. And another hadith, Nabiya Karim sallallahu alayhi said about love of the world, that it is dhambun azimun, that it is an immense sin. It is a tremendous sin. To love the world is a great sin. How many of us have ever made toba of that sin? Maybe there's a person who did some sin with their body. Maybe some night they made toba to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Maybe there was a person who did some other sin. They lied, did they ghibat. Maybe they did the toba of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't even view love of the dunya as a sin. We don't make toba. Can any of us say that we made dua that oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I ask you to forgive me of the sin of loving this world? Nabiya Kinnimsam called it a dhanbun azim, a tremendous, enormous, immense sin. And we don't even view it as a sin. And maybe many of us, we commit this sin every single day. Maybe the sin is a 24-hour feeling that we have in this heart. So it means that we have to get the love of the dunya out of our heart. Another day, Sayyidina Rasulullah said, he asked the Saba, that can there be any person who walks inside water, walks inside a puddle or inside a river, and his feet don't get wet? And Sahaba said that, Ya Rasulullah, no, it's impossible. There's no way somebody could walk inside the water and his feet would not get wet. 
Similarly, Sayyidina Rasulullah is the case of the person and the word the Prophet was sahib dunya That person who is what? The Arabic is sahib dunya The person who is the companion of the dunya. The person who has made themselves the friend of the dunya. The person who is trying to befriend the dunya. There is no way a person can be sahib dunya and stay away from sin. Just like the person who walks in the water will inevitably definitely get wet, that person who tries to befriend the dunya will always end up in some or the other sin. For the sake of that dunya, for the sake of earning more of that dunya, they will end up in some sin. Now when we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not love the dunya, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala views the dunya, قُلْ مَتَاعُ dunya qalil, That everything in this dunya is just a trifle. When we love and view as immense and enormous and all-important, that dunya that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala views as insignificant, then our heart becomes blackened because of this sin. The love for the dunya puts a blackness, hardness on our heart. That's why then we're unable to feel Allah ta'ala in our salah, still thinking about dunya. We're unable to spend more time in the masjid, still wanting to earn dunya. We don't feel the feelings of ibadah. We don't feel the halawa of iman, the sweetness of iman. We don't feel the pleasures of worship, the lazat of ibadah. Why? And many people, they don't say this. No, I'm the one who goes to the masjid. I pray five times a day in the masjid. I'm not doing any outward sin. It's this sin that we have in our heart. It's love for the dunya. That is created a veil on our heart and is preventing us from feeling Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now listen in Qur'an al-Kareem. What did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say to Ummahat al-Mu'mineen? Who are Ummahat al-Mu'mineen? Number one, they're sahabiyat. Means they're awliyaullah. Right? They're the beloved friends of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And on top of that, they're special azwaj mutahharat, special sahaba, female sahabiyat who were the wives of the Prophet They're Ummahat al-Mu'mineen. They're the mothers of the believers. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to them in Quran, first addressing the Prophet, Ya Yuhun Nabi, O my beloved Messenger, that you should tell your wives, In dunya that if you want, Allah Akbar, look, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, maybe I'm explaining to you how you should feel this ayah. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not leaving any gunja, any leeway, any gunjaish, any slack for Ummahatu Mu'minin, what in the world makes me and you think that there's going to be some slack, some gunjaish, torabat, hambi dunya kusat Listen to the khitab of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Oh my beloved Messer, some tell your wives that if you desire, just have irada, not even the word mahabba. The word is not use mahabba. If you have irada, if you want and wish and desire and incline towards hayat dunya the life of this world, and its zina, and its beauty, and allure, and obviously they were wanting the halal. There's no question that Ummahat al-Mu'mineen were attracted to the haram of the dunya. There's no question of that. They were being attracted, Allah Ta'ala is asking them in Quran, through the Prophet that if you are attracted to the halal of the dunya, the permissible husn and beauty and zenith of this dunya, then what did Allah subhanahu wa say to them? فَتَعَالَيْنَ أُمَّتَكُنَّ وَأُصَرِّحْ كُنَّ سَرَاحًا جَمِيلًا Then Allah subhanahu wa said, Okay, no problem. 
I will provide it for you. I will provide it for you and I will arrange for your enjoyment and your provision in a good manner. You will get it. You will get it. But what's the second option? And all the men and all the women should feel that Allah is addressing us, not just to Mahatma Mu'mini. وَإِن كُنْتُنَّ تُرِدْنَ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ that if instead of the life of the dunya and his beauty, your desire is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Messenger sallallahu and then with Dar al-Akhirah and the next life, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ أَنْدَلَ الْمُحْسِنَاتِ مِنْ كُنَّ أَجْرًا أَذِيمًا That indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is prepared for the muhsinat amongst the women, for the true, virtuous, noble women, an incredible, infinite reward. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it clear. What's the choice? It's not halal and haram. The choice is the halal of the zenith of the dunya or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Sayyidina Rasulullah and the akhirah. And if we're honest, me and you make that choice every day. Yes, the first choice we make is haram or halal. Second is more dunya or more deen. That's the choice we make every day. Our whole lifestyle is on that choice. Do you want more deen or more dunya? Most people today, most Muslims in the West, they choose more dunya. You see, we want minimal deen. We want farad deen. We say in Urdu, deen me guzara or dunya me miyar. That's what they want. I want just passable level of deen, but I want the highest level of the dunya. I want the best car I can afford. I want the best home I can live in. I want my children to marry the most beautiful woman I can find them. I want the best degree I can have. I want the best, 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 best possible of the permissible, but the best possible thing I can have in the dunya. That may not have been a problem if you also said, I want the best possible I have in thee. But we don't have that. Do you have the best possible tajweed that you can have? Are you praying the best possible salah that you can pray? Do you have the best possible haya that you can have? Do you have the best possible taqwa that you can have? Do you have the best possible sabr that you can have? Do you have the best possible akhlaq that you can have? Is that even on your mind? Is it even on your wish list? Do you even think like that when you wake up in the day? That just like today I want to have the best possible day at work I can have. Do you think today I want to have the best possible haya that I can have? No. We want the passable, passable minimum level of deen. <laughs> and if we pray five times a day in the masjid, we pat ourselves on the back. Should I give you, should I pat you on the back if you eat three times a day? You could kabbali shabash pate, agab din mitin the fakana kate. That's farth. That's farth. And you know, let me tell you something. Because I also work and teach and study in universities and meet many Muslims from many other backgrounds other than the masjid crowd, the secular, liberal, progressive Muslims. You know what they say? You know what they say? They say all these Muslims who pray in the masjid, they pray five times a day. They come out and they don't have adab, they don't have akhlaq, they mistreat us, we go to them in the store, they talk to us rudely. This is their impression they have. You were supposed to be living, breathing dawah for them. They were supposed to have looked at each and every one of you and said, Oh, this one he prays five times a day and I can see the effect of his salah on his heart. I can see the effect of his salah on his tongue. I can see the effect of his salah on his adab and akhlaq. 
Because they don't see that in you. They don't see that in you. That doesn't excuse them. I'm not excusing them. It doesn't excuse them. But it shows a failure on our part, right? And Sahaba Ikram, mashallah, radiallahu ta'ala anumajmain, they were living, breathing dawah. People would meet them, forget, complete strangers and foreign cultures would meet them. And they were not actually initially not impressed by the ibadah. They didn't understand these things. They're foreigners. They were impressed by their adab and their akhlaq, their sifat. And then after being impressed by their adab, akhlaq and sifat, they would go to those sahab and they would say that I want to be just like you. I don't even know what you are. I don't know what deen you practice. I don't know what nabi you believe in. They don't know any of that. These people, not like today people convert to Islam after studying it. No. Sahaba converted people to Islam who didn't even know anything about Islam. But they knew Sahaba. That's why they converted. Not because they knew the religion, but because they knew the people. Today it's the opposite. Most converts, you ask them, say, no, I didn't convert because of the Muslims. I converted because of the religion. It's the opposite. It's the complete opposite. Allah Akbar. Why? Because we're not, you could do it. We could do it. You're not striving. You're putting all of your effort to have the best possible in dunya. You're not trying to get the best possible in deen. MashaAllah, if somebody prays five times a day, do you know what type of hayat they could have if they worked for it? You've underestimated yourself. You give up too easily. You think you can't have haya, you think you can't have taqwa, you can have it. It's in your reach, but you have to work for it. You have to want it. You have to beg Allah subhanahu for it. You have to pray for it. So this is what Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's ummahat al-mu'mineen were told. So the women, and many times the women, right, have this thing. And this is one of the reasons why we go astray. It's that feeling. It's that feeling of love for dunya. Attraction towards dunya. So now I'm going to show you another feeling. What is that feeling that if we get that feeling in our heart, we won't have love for the dunya? Right? You can still have dunya, but you can't have love for dunya. This is the golden recipe in Deen of Islam. That you have dunya without having love for dunya. Have dunya without having love for dunya. In order to do that, you have to have one special feeling. And the name of that feeling is called Zuhud. Zuhud is that feeling in a person's heart that saves them from having love for the dunya. Now let me also explain to you, if you don't have Zuhud, you definitely have love for the dunya. There's no third option. Either you have the feeling of Zuhud in your heart, or you have the feeling of love for dunya in your heart. So now we're going to describe to you what zuhud is. And then you can decide for yourself whether you have this feeling or not. And if you don't have this feeling of zuhud, then you should be absolutely certain that you have the feelings of love for dunya in your heart. Zuhud is something that Allah Akbar, right from the time of Tabin and Tabai Tabin, the great muhaddithin of this ummah, that you started compiling hadith on this topic of zuhud. First from the Tabai Tabin, Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal, he compiled the Kitab al-Zuhud. Then Imam Abdullah bin Mubarak, he compiled the Kitab al-Zuhud. Then after that, Ibn Abi Shaiba, he also compiled the Kitab al-Zuhud. 
this was the feeling of the muhaddithin of the salaf salihin that this is such an important topic this is such an important feeling right because love for the dunya is the source of all sin so we have to get that feeling that protects our heart from love for the dunya so they were hufaz of hadith they had memorized hundreds of thousands of chains of narration and probably 30 to 40000 texts of hadith and from that they would select out those hadith that were on the this all important topic of zuhd and this is something that we don't even know about some young men and women may have never even heard the word zuhd hmm? this is why you always have to be connected towards the ulama and the muhaddithin we don't take sunnah from hadith. We take sunnah from muhaddithin. It's a big difference. That's another topic for another time. Right? You have to take your understanding of sunnah and hadith from the muhaddithin, not from any single one hadith that you pick up. So this was their understanding of Zod. So what is Zod? Zod anidunya wa zinatiha. To have Zod from this world and its beauty. Zod is called Araz and Admul Mail. Araz means to spurn something. Admul Mail means not to be attracted towards it. To be uninterested in it. To be uninterested in it. Let me give you a simple example. When you first buy a new watch, those of you who wear watches, so when you first buy it, you kind of were attracted towards it and you notice it. But then as time goes by, you will realize that you no longer notice it at all. You have the watch. Remember I said have the dunya but you don't love dunya. You have the watch. You fully make use of the function of the watch but you are no longer attached or attracted to the watch at all. So much so that if you were to leave your watch somewhere making wudu, you would not be sad at all. That means you have zuhud. Some of us may not even be that way about our watch. (laughs) We don't even have zuhud in one item yet in our life. That is what zuhud means. One shaykh, he mentioned that zuhud is like the swan or the dove or the geese. These are particular birds that sit on top of the lake, but they don't let themselves get wet. They actually perch on the lake, but they don't let their wings get wet because they want to be able to fly. Why? At the second instance, maybe a crocodile for whatever reason, at a second instant they want to be able to fly away and soar in the air. That is another meaning of zuhud. That a person has the dunya but they can leave the dunya at the drop of a hat, the second something comes to them in the dunya that is haram, or the second something comes that is mushtabit, that is doubtful, they can drop the whole dunya like that. They're not attached to it at all. They can leave it. They can flee from it. They can abandon it. That is also one of the meaning of zuhud. Third meaning of zuhud is that for the heart not to be attached to the attractions and pleasures of this world, the zenith of this world, the beauties of this world. That no person is attracted to the necessary functions of this world, but is not attracted towards the beauties of this world. Fourth meaning of zuhud. That the heart is not happy when one gets an increase in the dunya, not overly joyed when we get more dunya, and the heart is not overly sad when we lose dunya. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Quran, لَكَيْ لَا تَعْسَوْ عَلَى مَا فَاتُكُمْ that you should not become depressed about those things, fatakum, which literally they died, you, you lost them. You were unable to get them. They were mafkud. Nor should you be overly happy with the mawjood, nor should you be overly happy and overjoyed with what Allah Ta'ala bestows you. Why? Wallahu la yuhibbu kullam mukhtal in 
that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not love every boastful, arrogant person. Now here Allah ta'ala is saying in Quran that this is a dunya that Allah bestowed on you. Even that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, it's Quran. Even the dunya that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestows upon you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, don't get overly happy about it. Don't get overjoyed about it. Lest you end up in this category of mukhtal, of being boastful and arrogant. Allah Akbar. We don't know Quran. Yes, that same Allah Ta'ala who gives us dunya doesn't want us to love and become overjoyed and enjoy that dunya. Why? Because we have a greater love. <laughs> it's a test of love. Right? It's a test of fidelity. Yes. It's a test of fidelity. That's what every Muslim woman wants in her husband. That you should be loyal to me. That when you get the lesser love, when you get the secretary, or you get the customer, or you get the nurse if you're a doctor, you shouldn't look at her. That's a test, that's a lesser option for you. You should show your loyalty to me. Same thing with Allah SWT. That's what he's saying. Even when I give you the dunya, and I gave it to you, la tafrahu, don't get overjoyed with it. I want you to save your joy for me and akhirah. Your heart should only melt for me. Why does your heart melt for the dunya? Your heart should only yearn for me. Why does your heart yearn for the dunya? That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from us. Allah Akbar. Allah is Allah. And Sahaba Akram, that's what they were like. <laughs> Even after all their futuhat and later in the time of Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala who went onwards, they never enjoyed the dunya. They were never happy. They didn't become overjoyed about getting the dunya. It meant nothing to them. Even when they had everything in the dunya, it meant nothing to them. Sayyidina Sulaiman salam, he had everything in the dunya, it meant nothing to him. That's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants. That zuhr, that you have it, but it means nothing to you. It doesn't motivate your heart. So what did we say? If you get it, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I'll give you an example. There was one wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who was also a very big businessman. And he used to have cargoes, ship full of cargoes used to come. So with Shaykh, one day he was sitting with his muridin and he was speaking to them. Then somebody from the port, from the docks came and said, Shaykh, we have received news that your big cargo ship that was coming with so many goods has sunk into sea and you have lost everything. Ab Shaykh listened to that news. He bowed his head for a bit and then he said, Alhamdulillah, and he kept talking. Continued his discourse with the students. Then after some time, again the person from the port came and said, Shaykh, Shaykh, we saw your ship coming into the docks. It was a different, another ship. We were mistaken. It was somebody else's ship that sunk at sea. Yours has been sighted coming into the docks. The Shaykh lowered his head and then raised it and said, Alhamdulillah, and then continued talking. And now his students found this a very strange thing. And completely bad news and completely good news, same reaction. So they asked, they said, Shaykh, on both occasions you simply said Alhamdulillah. So he said, yes, when first they told me that I had lost all my cargo at sea, I closed my eyes and looked in my heart and I said, I looked to check my heart. Are you sad at receiving this news? And I saw that my heart wasn't sad. Hmm. Allah Akbar. I saw that my heart wasn't sad. Abi didn't say, make it na zabardas waliyu. 
No. Sir, Alhamdulillah. He didn't pat himself on the back. Like, what a great Zahid I am. That my heart's not sad. Look at me, what an accomplished person I am. No. He said, Alhamdulillah. All praise is to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These people were living misdaq of these ayat of Qur'an. That's exactly what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Qur'an. لَكَيْلَا تَعْسَوْ Don't feel sad at all. Allah مَا فَاتُكُمْ On that which you lose. They will live their hearts were Qur'an. For us, our words and ears, the best of us, our tongues and ears are in Qur'an. And then he said the second thing, when again they came and they said, no, no, we saw your ship. Again, I looked at my heart and I checked, oh my heart, are you happy at this news? Do you feel any joy? And I saw my heart felt zero joy, zero happiness. Allah Akbar, wala tafrahu. And then again I said, Alhamdulillah. All praise to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who has emptied my heart of love for this world and has kept my heart's happiness and sadness only for him. That's their life. These are the people called Siddiqeen, Sadiqeen, Salihin, Awliya in Qur'an. These were Muttaqeen, Muhsineen. These were the living embodiments. They were feeling the feelings of Qur'an. This Qur'an is not just a book to be recited, or a book to be memorized, or a book to be translated, or a book to be commented. This Qur'an is a book to be felt, a book to be lived. That's what's missing from our life. <laughs> That's what's missing from our life. Another meaning of Zod is to leave those things of the dunya that don't concern you. Sayyidina Rasulullah in hadith. Min husni islam il mar'i tarku ma la ya'ni. That from the excellence and nobility and virtue of a person's deen is they leave those things that don't concern them. And to be honest, we are all involved so much in things that don't concern us. So when somebody says, I'm too busy for this, you're not too busy. You're too busy doing things that don't concern you. Therefore, you're not able to make time for that akhirat that concerns you. <laughs> don't think you're too busy. Yes, badahir, you're too busy. You're too occupied. But you're too busy doing things that don't concern you at all. Overly involved in all types of discussions and analysis and politics. and Overly involved in things. When your heart was supposed to have been freed and unfettered for the remembrance and worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That that was your occupation. That was our purpose. Another meaning of zuhud is that we leave those things from the dunya. So one was leave those things from the dunya that don't concern you. Another meaning is leave those things from the dunya that distract you from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's different for every person. For some person it may be the watch. Maybe when they pray they notice their watch, they have to leave it. Not because it's haram, but because it's zuhud. It's distracting them from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even with the same person it may change over time. It may change over time. To leave anything and everything in the dunya that slightly distracts a person from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his remembrance, his worship, his obedience, that is also called zuhud. One sheikh said that the ibtidah, the beginning of zuhud, is to view the dunya as a trifle, as insignificant. And the end of zuhud, the intiha of zuhud, is sabr and shukr. In other words, zuhud doesn't mean you have to wear tattered clothing. Zuhud doesn't mean you cannot enjoy the ni'mas or blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you. Zuhud is a feeling. It's a feeling. It's an outlook. 
It's an attitude that a person has in their heart. One sheikh said that there are three levels of zuhud. One is fard, absolutely mandatory. That means to do eras, to shun the haram things in this world. Second is that type of zuhud that keeps your iman salim, uh, that preserves your iman. That is to leave the mushtabihat, to leave the doubtful. Third is that type of zuhud. Listen to this. Third is that type of zuhud that gets you the fuzzle of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wallahu dhu fallin azim. Did you ever think, how can I get that azim fadl of that azim Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in my life? That's the third type of zuhud. <laughs> to save ourselves from the punishment of Allah, stay away from the haram. To protect and safeguard our iman, stay away from the doubtful. And to get the fadl of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, leave the fudul. This is called tarki fudul. To get the fuzzle from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, leave the fuzzle of this world. To get extra superfluous additional barakat from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, leave the extra additional superfluous things of this world. You want to get the fuzzle of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Shouldn't that be motivation enough? <laughs> hmm? But no, we want more. We want more in the dunya. Less in the dunya could mean more fuzzle from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Less fuzul. Fuzul means there's not of any benefit to you. You're already living at your level of comfort. You have the necessity and basic level of comfort. You're going for still more. That is called fudul. That's za'id. Za'id ana zarura, za'id ana had. More than you need, more than you require. Fudul, extra. And that's a very interesting thing. And if you were to travel the Muslim world and you were to visit the ulama and mudarrisin and mashayikh, you will see that. They don't have any extra in this world. But they have a lot of extra in their heart. They don't have extra in this world. They have a lot of extra barakah in their life. They don't have extra in terms of worldly possessions. But they have a lot of extra in their deen, in their ibadah, in their taqwa. You will see that in the world. And that person who wants more and more and more extras in this world, almost illa mashallah, almost all of them, the more extras you have in this world, the less extras you will have in the deen. And the less extras you have in the world, the more extras you will have in deen. Again, it's our choice. What do we choose? What do we chase after? Where do we put our effort? Where do we put our heart? Another shaykh said that zuhud means to partake of the tayyibat and hasanat, the pure and virtuous things in this world. To reduce the mubahat, so not eliminate, not eliminate, but to reduce, mubahat is permissible, to lessen the permissible things that we have and to eliminate the unlawful shahwat. To eliminate all the unlawful desires. Hirs, lalaj, shahwat, lust, desire, greed. Whether it's the lustful gaze, the lustful thought, the lustful memory, the desire and greed to have more and more money. Sometimes even it's not action, it's just in our mind. Could you imagine that you, we are going to sacrifice the real hakiki fuzzle of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for some farzi khalat in our mind, <laughs> just for fantasies, just for thoughts which have no reality, just for wishful thinking. But yes, that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He doesn't accept such wishful thinking. Even a person just has thoughts about getting the fuzul in this world, they lose the real actual fuzzle of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And again, if you travel 
the Muslim world and you sit with traditional ulama and mashayikh, you will see what's on their mind. Right? That's a question people ask in Islam. What's on your mind? Hmm? Most people today, what's on your mind? Dunya. They say dunya. It's on my mind day. It's on my mind day and night. You sit with them, Allah Ta'ala is on their mind. Really, I'm telling you. They're thinking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They're thinking about deen. They're thinking about ummah. They're mubalagheen, mujahideen. No, deen is on their mind. Ummat is on their mind. Sunnat is on their mind. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is on their mind. It's a big difference. It's a big difference. Why? Whenever something is full, it doesn't have any space for anything else. That person whose heart and mind is full with the thoughts of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there's no space for the thoughts of this world. And the same thing happens the other way around. That that person whose heart and mind is full of the thoughts of this world, there's no space for the thoughts of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even they stand in salah, it's already full. Full. They came to salah with filled bellies, and they came to salah with minds full of thoughts of this world. They entered their salah with hearts full of love of this world. There was no space for that fazl of Allah Ta'ala to come. It's our choice. Everybody's heart and mind is occupied. <laughs> you want to have it occupied with Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala on Akhirah, or we want to have it occupied with the dunya and this world. One sheikh said that Zohd, means to turn from the ashya to rabbul ashya to turn away from the things of this world to the creator and lord and master of things what does this mean this means let me explain to you another way to become less ugly and to become more kalbi let me explain to you another way to have less focus on the asbab and to have more focus on the musabibul asbab. What does this mean? Every single one of us, because we live in the dunya, right? We are engaged, we have interactions in the dunya. We have setbacks, drawbacks in the dunya, right? How do we respond? What does Zuhud teach? How do you deal with those setbacks and drawbacks in the dunya? Things that don't go according to plan. The person who doesn't have Zuhud, who only has heart full of dunya, they use their akal only. They have exclusive dependence on their akal and they make use of asbab. What does that mean? They react. They engage in firefighting. They engage in strategy. Every time something goes against their plan, they come up with another strategy. They again make a strategy. Again it backfires. They make another strategy. Again it backfires. They are fighting an endless war. They can never win it. They can never win it. Sometimes you have to leave the wasail and you have to go for the wasila. Sometimes you have to leave the asbab and you have to turn to that being who is musabbibul asbab. You have to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have to be more kalbi. You have to use your heart. Many things in this world, especially many setbacks, drawbacks, difficulties, adversities, tests, trial, tribulations, sadness, will be solved through the heart, won't be solved through the akal. It's not about changing our strategy. It's not about coming up with a new plan of action. No. It's about reaching out with our heart to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is one of the greatest advantages of Zod. That the person is always attached to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
And if you don't have that attachment, you'll see, you can think back at some episode in your own life that you tried one thing, you tried a second thing, and then what happens? Then a person gets depressed. They just get sad. Then they say, I can't do anything. They have apathy. Many women have this problem. Right? I don't feel like doing anything anymore. I can't think anymore. I don't feel like eating. I can't sleep. Right? So yes, these halat come on a person, those difficulties. But the difficult difference is when a person has zod, he's having the same difficulty, same setback, same adversity. But he can still eat. <laughs> he can still sleep. Not a problem. <laughs> Not a problem. He's going through the same tough times. But he is managing it. Why? Because he has a connection in his heart with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if you don't have that connection, you try to manage it with your akal. Can't manage it. <laughs> you won't be able to do it. Then you just can call someone, Mepreshanu, I'm worried. You can tell your worries to the people of this world. That's the sign also. The people who have Zuhud, they will stand on the Musalla and they will tell their worries to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the people who don't have Zuhud, they will call one person after the other, after the third, after the fourth, and they'll tell their worries to the people of this world. Because they're looking at a different level, <laughs> they have a different perspective. That's what I was calling Akli versus Kalbi. That is looking at asbab as opposed to masabab al-asbab. That is another big, that is one way I was mentioning the turning from the ashya to the rabbul ashya. So our ulama and mashayikh have given many different definitions of what is zuhud. Another meaning of zuhud is that the heart is free of desires of this world and the mind is free of the thoughts of this world. This is something you will only be able to get when you learn how to make zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you learn how to make zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you start with a clean slate, empty heart, then maybe you can get zuhud directly. But if you're starting with a muddled heart, if you're starting with a heart that already has love for the dunya, and you need to remove that love for the dunya and get that zuhud, that love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the only thing that will be able to do that for you is the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That only and only in the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will the hearts find peace and contentment. Without those zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you will have zikr in dunya. Two options. Either you will have zikr in dunya or you will have zikrullah. Now let me tell you that Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal ta'ala, was once asked that can a person be wealthy and still have zuhud? This is your favorite question. Hmm? Can a person still have mal? Can a person still have wealth and also have zuhud? And Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal said yes. He said yes, it's possible. It's possible. To have wealth and still have zuhud. And he said simply summarizing everything that we shared tonight is that as long as whenever he gets that wealth, he never lets it enter his heart. And whenever he loses that wealth, he never lets it sadden his heart. Then that way that person can be wealthy and that person can still have zuhud. So the last thing for tonight then is how to get zuhud. So very briefly I'll mention to you ten things. That if you do them, if we do them, we can increase in our zuhud. Number one is what we did tonight. 
which is to reflect on the reality of this world. Always remind yourself how Allah Ta'ala views the dunya. Even that dunya that you think is so necessary for you. And it may be necessary at one level, but still remind yourself how Allah Subh'ala Ta'ala views that dunya as something that is insignificant, small as a trifling. Always try to look at the dunya the way Allah Subh'ala Ta'ala views the dunya. And to try to do that at least once a day in any one aspect of the dunya. Second, is that to remember that everything that you have in the dunya, you will never be able to take it beyond the dunya. It won't even be able to enter your grave. Even those foolish kings and pharaohs of the past, they used to make tombs for themselves and bury their treasures with them. Just in a few days or months, somebody would break into their tomb and steal their treasures. (laughs) It is not possible that you can take anything. So whatever you're trying so hard for, and maybe, I'm not saying don't try for it, maybe you need to try for it, but remind yourself still while trying for it. Don't stop trying for it if it's something that you need. But just remind yourself along the way that I'm trying for it. I may even get it, but I'm not really going to be able to keep it. It's not going to go with me into the grave. Keep that mentality there. Keep that awareness there while acquiring the dunya, while earning the dunya, but keep that feeling of zuhud there. Zuhud there. Second, is to remember, and the flip side of this, is to remember that the ni'mas, the bounties and blessings of the akhirah, you will never ever lose them. They will remain with you forever. Not one million years. Not one billion years. There will be such bounties and blessings that if you could acquire them, they will be with you forever. And if you get those hasanat and ibadat and a'mal salih in this world, they will go with you into the grave and they will testify on your behalf on the Day of Judgment and they will push you into higher darajat of Jannah and those darajat of Jannah will last forever. Forever. If you ever want to imagine what forever is, Imam al-Ghazali, he gave an incredible way of explaining forever. And he said that imagine that there is a bird. Rather, imagine that from the earth, from the soil, all the way up to the sky, is just one big mountain of seed, dane, of grains. Then imagine one bird, one sparrow, one chirya, comes after 1,000 years and takes one dana. And then another 1,000 years takes another seed. How many millions and billions of years would pass before those seeds would finish. Even that, technically, technically even that is finite. The distance between the earth and the atmosphere is still finite. The number of seeds you could put in there is still finite. Every single 1,000 year trip is still finite. Allah Spantan's Akhirat is infinite. Now think of a ni'mah that would last that long <laughs> compared to whatever ni'mah you could get in this world that could last however long you live. It's about reminding yourself, about thinking, about feeling. Fourth thing is to remember death, to think about mot. And this is two things, to remember death and dying. Two things, to remember mot itself, the phenomenon of death, and to remember your own individual dying. That me, myself, I'm going to die. And to think about that. To think about that once a day, even for just one second. You would be amazed at this one a day. You know like they have these multivitamin pills, one a day. (laughs) 
If you do this one zikr mode a day, but you do it every day, within a few weeks you will find a big change in your heart. You will find an inclination and attraction towards the akhirah in your heart. You will find a distancing from the dunya to, from your heart. Because the time from Maghrib to Isha is short, we're going to stop now for the adhan. After Isha, I'm going to give you, those who wish to stay, after Isha, we're going to give you five, the other five of the ten, like this, very short, five other ways to increase in zuhud, that I'm going to give you one story from the Sahaba to show you the real meaning of zuhud. One incredible story from that most incredible Sahabi. And then we'll end on that story and we'll make dua, but inshallah we'll do all of that after Isha Salah wa akhirun da'wana. And alhamdulillah, We came to you straight from the airport actually Direct from Heathrow to you We went direct from Makamakarama to Lahore And then we were in Lahore for a few hours Then we flew to Karachi We were in Karachi for a few hours Then we flew to London And we came straight from Heathrow by train to Paddington Then by Paddington by car Five minutes before Maghrib to you that's why Taurus, I was a bit tired in the Bian. Not normally my strong son, inshallah. I tell you the story, inshallah. Full Josh Majang, inshallah. Inshallah. Alhamdulillahi wahda wa salatu wa salamu ala man la nabiya ba'da amma ba'd. So the different ways to increase in zuhud. The ones that we mentioned very quickly before were to reflect on the reality of the world. The second was to remember that none of the ni'mas we will be, of this world can be taken to our grave. The third was to remember that the ni'mas of the akhirah are eternal and to remember how eternal that akhirah and each and every bounty and blessing in that is. The fourth was to remember our own, to remember death and also to remember our own dying. Fifth way is to join in janazah salah. When you join and pray janais and you go to the qabr and you engage in tatfeen, then you will remember that this is your ultimate destination. And this is an amazing thing. Now, I have not really gone in England other than once. But I've seen in Pakistan, unfortunately, even when people pass away and even when their relatives, people go to the graveyard and they're engaged in small talk and conversation in the graveyard as if bilkul asirini, where they are. They're completely oblivious and immune to the fact that they are standing inside a cemetery. Sometimes it's even a cousin or somewhat close relative who has passed away, and even then they can be on their cell phone engaged in conversation. This is a very scary sight, right? You see, for somebody who feels cold, but they're far from the fireplace, that is not a problem. But somebody who's sitting right by the fireplace and still says they don't feel any heat, it's a very big problem. So somebody who is standing in the middle of a cemetery and is seeing in front of them somebody they knew closely or less being lowered into the ground and they don't feel anything, it's a sign that a person's heart is in danger of being dead. I don't know if that is the case in England because I've not been here yet. 
but in Pakistan, this is increasingly the case. So, amazingly, however, our ulama and mashayikh used to write that praying and joining in the janazah salah, that would actually increase in a person's zuhud. The next thing is to give deen preference over dunya, at least some of the time. You see, there's going to be one choice where something is halal or haram. There's no choice. You must do what is halal. Then there comes a time when there's a choice that there's something halal in the dunya and there's another thing that's halal in the dunya. This one is a little bit less in dunya, but better in my deen. You have to become a person who starts to give preference to deen over dunya at least some of the time. At least there should be some aspect in our life and say, look, I chose deen over dunya. In this particular case, that will increase us in our zuhud. The next thing is to spend sadaqah, to spend in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sadaqah, you don't have to be rich to give sadaqah. Even one dollar, one pound, ten pounds, anything can be sadaqah. You'll be amazed that even those one or two pounds that you give, but if you keep giving it, you keep emptying your pocket every now and then, it will disconnect your attachment to this world. And if you find that even giving five, ten pounds is difficult, then know that your attachment to this world is too much. Right? You'll be amazed at the type of things that people spend money on today. Sometimes the most frivolous, foolish thing, they can spend twenty, fifty pounds on it. And when it comes to the mustard donation, they take out their one pound coin. And even that, that they did a great job in donating for the masjid. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees what's in our hearts. Right? So we should give some amount of ikhlas regular in sadaqah that will increase our zuhud. The next thing is to leave the gatherings of the world and to go to the gatherings of the akhirah. Tarku majalis al-dunya wa ikhtiyaru majalis al-akhirah. What does it mean? Majalis of the dunya means those places where people talk about this world. Where five, ten men get together and each one of them talks about how much they earned and how much they made and where they invested and what they're doing. It's not good company for you. It's not good company for you. And the majalis of the akhirah, the masajid, the khanka, the madrasa, the jamaat, different ways. Places where you go and people are gathered to talk about deen, to talk about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to talk about akhirah. The more and more you spend time in those majalis, the more and more you will have zuhd. The next thing is to leave less, less sleeping, less eating, and less laughing. Sayyidina Rasulullah once he saw Sahaba and he said in the hadith that all my companions, if you knew what I knew, you would laugh less and you would weep more. Allahu Akbar. But that's also part of sunnah, right? Because we are zummati. That's an ishara to us. The hadith, don't just look at what's farther than the hadith. Every single thing Sayyidina Rasulullah said to the Sahaba was min, from the perspective that he was a Nabi was part of his tarbiyah, was part of his training, was part of his Tazkiyah was part of his purifying them. So it means that we should do amal on this, we should try to laugh less. I'm not saying don't laugh at all. Laughing is also part of deen, that's also in hadith. But to laugh less over such frivolous, foolish things. And to learn to cry more. (laughs) To learn to eat less, to learn to sleep less, and to learn to laugh less. These things have to be learnt. (laughs) You cannot just on your own. Reduce your eating and sleeping and laughing. You will have to be trained. You will have to be taught. You will have to be polished. You will have to be developed. Somebody will have to work on you in such a way that you will be able to sleep and eat and talk and laugh less. 
And if you do those things, then you will be able to increase in your zuhud. And Alhamdulillah, you will see that those people who put themselves in the company of the Mashaikh, they will tell you that these things came to them automatically. They may not even have consciously realized that this is what was being done to them. But they will say, after spending the time with my ustaz, with my shaykh, with the ulama, with the awliya, I found myself laughing less. Automatic. Automatic, guaranteed, inshallah. These things will increase in a person. So, and the last thing of the ways to increase in Zod is to read the lives, biographies of the Anbiya because they were the greatest Zahideen. If you read the lives and stories of the Prophets and messengers, Allah Ta'ala's peace be upon all of them, they were the greatest of the Zahideen. They had the least attachment with this world and had the greatest connection with Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala. And then secondly, to read the lives and biographies of Sahaba Ikram, each and every single Sahaba had the sifat of Zuhud in it. Don't let any historian or any popular writer convince you otherwise. Every single Sahaba was a wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every single Sahaba had Zuhud. Every single one. Whether Zahir they were Al-Ghani or whether Zahir they were Al-Fakir, every single one of them in their heart had no love and attachment for this world. And when you read their lives and stories and you read more and more, one of them will touch you. Your halat may be more like Sayyidina Uthman Radhanu. Your personal halat may be like Sayyidina Umar Radhanu. Maybe your tabiat is more like Sayyidina Ali Radhanu. The more and more you read Sahaba, one more and more will start connecting with you and you will end up having zuhud. So the Anbiya al-Mursaleen, the Prophets and Messengers, the Sahaba Ikram, and third after Sahaba are called the Awliyaullah. Third category in the history of Zuhud in this Ummah, the history of the lovers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the ones who didn't love this world, they are known as Awliyaullah in Quran. Allah inna awliyaullahi la khawfun alayhim wa la hum They are such people who have no khawf, no fear, no danger from this world, and no huzan, nothing in this world, and no akhirah can have, no, they will have no sorrow in their akhirah as well. When you read their lives and study their biographies and listen to the stories, again you will feel some connection in your heart. You will feel some attachment to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you will feel a detachment to this world. That's the last thing we will say about zuhud. means to get yourself detached, disconnected, unhooked from this world. And that only happens when you get attached, when you get connected, when you get hooked onto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you get attached, you get connected, you get hooked onto deen. When you get attached, you get connected, you get hooked onto Quran. You get attached, you get connected, you get hooked onto your musallah. When these things happen, then you will get detached from this world. The heart's detachment from this world, that is what is called zuhud. And then the last thing I told you would be one story after these ten ways to increase zuhud. And it's a story that every one of you would know. Every single one of you already know the story. But maybe you did not realize that the real look the the real turning point, the asal point of the story was Zuhud. And that is the story of Sayyidina Abu Bakr as Siddiq Anu, Imam al Sahaba, Imam al Uliya, Imam al Siddiqin was Sadiqin, Imam al Zahideen. And all of you know the story. How he showed his detachment from this world. And when Sayyidina Rasulullah, he sallallahu alayhi wa when he asked the Sahaba Ikram that there was a need for the Ummah, 
there was a need in the deen that how much can you detach yourselves from the world? Their world was halal. It was tayyib. It was from the hasanat of this world that the sahaba had. But what did Sayyidina Rasulullah ask? He asked them to detach themselves from it. So some sahaba gave this much. Some sahaba gave that much. All of you know that Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, he was like that swan that we told you about. He could leave the world at the fleet of an instant. When Nabi Kareem Wasallam presented this need of the deen, he left all of the world. He gave every single thing he had for the sake of the deen. And when, Allah, when Nabi Kareem Wasallam asked him, that, what have you left for yourself, Ya Abu Bakr? So Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, he said that I have left for myself Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Remember what Allah SWT told Umahatul Mu'mineen? First he said, Allah wa Rasulu, and then he said, Darul Akhirah. Right? Do you choose Allah SWT and the Messenger wasallam? So what happened? When Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq did this, this is now, you have to see what happens. What was the effect of Zuhud? Because it comes in a day, Sayyidina Rasulullah said that if you adopt Zuhud, Allah SWT will love you. Now I want to show you how much Allah SWT loved that greatest of the Zahideen. So it comes in one riwayah, that when he gave everything that he had, he only kept one piece of clothing for himself. You can call it one lungi and one tahban in your language. You can call it one shawl, one wrap, one garment in another language. And he gave even his other pieces of clothing to Sayyidina Rasulullah And when this happened, then the Prophet he saw the angel Jibreel. Allah Akbar. And the angel Jibreel was wearing the same type of garment. So he asked Jibreel that what's happened to you? And the angel Jibreel said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves Sayyidina Abu Bakr so much at this moment. And he loves his amal. Which amal? This amal of zuhud. This amal of showing I can detach myself from all of dunya for my one Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has loved this amal so much that he's ordered me, Jibreel alayhi salam, me, the angel who brings wahi to the anbiya, Allah Akbar, has ordered me and all of the angels to adopt the likeness of Sayyidina Abu Bakr. And you will see all the angels are just wearing this one garment. We are adopting Mushabit of Abu Bakr. Allah Akbar. But what's the real story? Real effect of this zuhud will come in the akhirah. And on the Day of Judgment, it comes in Hadith, that all of humanity will be terrified. All of humanity will be run. It's in Quran and Hadith, so many places. When a person will flee from their blood brother, from their spiritual brother, from their friend, from their neighbor. Complete tumult and chaos. Then what will happen? That every single human being, every single human being on that day, will go to their Nabi. Whether they accepted that Nabi, or even if they denied that Nabi, even the Muhaddisin in their commentaries wrote, even if they killed that Nabi, even they will go to that Nabi. Yes. Even those Jews who were mentioned in Surah Baqarah as killing their Anbiya, even they will go to their Nabi on the Day of Judgment. And each and every one of them will plead with their Nabi that you were a prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now we are seeing with our own eyes that everything you said as part of your prophecy was true. Your nabuat was true. Life after death was true. This day of judgment is true. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is true. Even the kuffar will go to a Nabi. And they will plead with that Nabi. What? Not for Jannah. Not for Maghfirah. Just end this day of ask, beg Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to begin hisab. We just cannot stand. 
this day of judgment. Allahu Akbar. Now they're so terrified by the phenomenon of the day of judgment. Yawm al-Qiyamah, Yawm al-Hashr. It will weigh so heavily on them. And then all of those anbiya, they won't know what to do. Then all of the anbiya as a jama'ah will go to Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam because he is Nabiul anbiya Imamul anbiya Sayyidul awwaleen wal akhireen Sayyidul anbiya wal mursaleen And they all know him because they all prayed behind him in Baitul Maqaddas. Hmm? They will all go to him. And what does that mean? Because each and every Nabi will be representing the humanity that they were sent to. So in terms of niyaba and proxy, all of insan, how many is that? Right now, 6 billion. 50 years ago, there was a different 5 billion. So we're talking hundreds of billions of human beings on that day of judgment. All going to their anbiya. Then all of those 124,000 anbiya going to Sayyidina Rasulullah wasallam, and they will plead Sayyidina Rasulullah that our ummah, the ummah, whether they did ijaba, they were dawah, they listened, they refused, they accepted. All of our people are begging us to beg Allah SWT to start this day. And then they will say, none of us have that are daring enough to make this dua to Allah SWT because Allah SWT's jalal will be so ghalib. Allah Subhanahu might and majesty that Al-Qahar will be manifesting his sifat of Al-Qahar on that day. So they will go to the Prophet and say, you are the most beloved of Allah Subhanahu You are the mahboob. You make dua to Allah Subhanahu This is that maqam mahmood according to some muhaddithin. This dua that we make after adhan. This is that maqam that now Sayyidina Rasulullah will fall into sajda. He will fall into sajda and he will do such hamd of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He will praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in such an incredible way. And this some muhaddisin say, this is that maqam mahmud Now can you imagine how important this was? That Nabi Yaqisam told. Otherwise, if you look, Nabi Yaqisam told every one of his ummah that after every five prayers, after every adhan, for every prayer, you have to make this dua. Now imagine if we did amal on it, if we were to have done amal on it, how many billions and billions and billions of du'as would have been made? One billion Muslims alive today, five billion azans a day, du'as right there. <laughs> One billion Muslims, five prayers a day. If we were to have done it, means infinite, almost infinite number of du'as had to be made to get this maqam and mahmoud. In that then Nabi Karim Salaam will praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so much that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will address him and say, Irfa ra'sak, that raise your head, sal tu'tak, that question, ask me, and you will be granted. And then some of the ulama say that this is that maqam, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that, and then we will bestow upon you, and then we will please you. Now what will happen? Now, what was the question? What was asked? The Muslim asked, that start the hisab. Allahu Akbar kabira. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will grant, it's okay, I start the hisab. And I start with your Ummah. Allahu Akbar. This will be the answer given. Okay? I start the Hisab and I start with your Ummah. Allahu Akbar. Allah SWT will tell Sayyidina Rasulullah present the first member of your Ummah. And Sayyidina Rasulullah will go to Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq. Allahu Akbar. Dupeshwaja. Say, <laughs> Yes, 
Sayyidina Suma tells Sayyidina Bakr Siddiq, you have chosen you. You will be the first person on Day of Judgment whose hisab is taken. Sayyidina Bakr Siddiq, he's just seeing all of the jalal of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is also scared. He was say, I don't want to go. <laughs> don't start it with me. Sayyidina Sassama, no. Why? Now there's another hadith that you should know. Sahih hadith. Sayyidina Rasulullah Sassama said, that I have returned the ihsan. I have returned the favors of all of my sahaba, except Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq. He did so much for me and this ummah in deen. Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can return that favor. What was that favor? That was the zuhud of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq. His zuhud that he gave every single thing for the deen and for the Prophet So what is going to be the barakah of that zuhud? What is going to be the darajah of that zuhud? What is going to be the thamra of that zuhud? Then Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq, when Nabi presents him, he will also fall into sajda. He's kamal muttabiya sunnah. He will also fall into sajda. That's how he will go in front of Allah He will fall into sajda. And he will start praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will tell him to get up from sajda and will send him and say, you are forgiven. This is our deen. We are all living from that day. Our whole deen is about this zuhud. Being detached from this world and being attached to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if we can also follow in the footsteps of Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, if we can have that zuhud, if we can have that disconnect, then the reward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives. And let me also tell you something. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not like people in this world, that if you do something, they'll give it to you later. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala If you do something for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this world, it's not that you only get it in the akhirah. You get it now, immediately. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala barakah, fazl, karam, his nusrat, his madad, his help and his blessings and his grace upon us now in this world immediately. And in the akhirah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also gives the person the sabab and the ajr and the reward for that. So if you leave this world, leave the wasteful, futile, useless, pointless things in this world, and you will get the most wonderful, amazing fazl and barakat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This was our message for tonight. This is the need of our hearts that we can live a life that is more oriented towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that we can disconnect our hearts from this world, attach our hearts to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the way to attach our hearts to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is by making the zikr of Allah. This is why the Mashaikh have taught us how to make zikrullah. And you have to be trained and taught how to do zikr deeply. Yes, you can read many zikr and hadith, just like you can read salah. <laughs> you can read salah with an empty heart. Then you can pick up any hadith book and pick up any formula of zikr and you'll also do that with an empty heart. It won't give you that zuhud. And this is that gathering of people who come to the masjid, who recite tasbih, who pray salah, who read Quran, and they don't have that zuhud. Because you need to be trained, you need to get it out, you need to be operated on. And alhamdulillah, this is what our deen is. It's what we call a chain of zahideen. That somebody got the love of the world removed from their heart by a teacher who himself had the love of the world removed from his heart. Himself by a teacher who had the love of the world removed from his heart and had the love for Allah Ta'ala placed in his heart. And that is what Allah Ta'ala in Quran calls tazkiyah. That is what Nabi Kareem Sam and Hadith called Ihsan. That is what later scholars in Arabic called Islah, Tarbiyah. That we want to purify our heart 
from anything and everything that is distracting us from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and fill and fill our hearts with His love. So we make this near tonight that we want to become people of zikrullah, we want to become people of zod and the dunya, we want to attach our hearts to Him. May Allah ta'ala accept this intention from us. وَآخِرَ الدَّعْوَانَا أَنَ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ Give us another chance, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Give us a heart that yearns for you, Ya Allah. Give us a heart that loves you, Ya Allah. Give us a heart that remembers you, Ya Allah. Give us a mind that has thoughts of you, Ya Allah. Give us sleep that has dreams about deen, Ya Allah. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we want in our waking, in our sleeping, in our breathing, in our talking, to be laced and adorned with love for you, and dhikr of you, and remembrance of you. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, make us people of sabr in this world. Make us people of shukr on what we have. Ya Allah, we are drowning in billions of your ni'mas. Ya Allah, let us do shukr of each and every one of these ni'mas. And Ya Rabbi Kareem, we want to ask from you and beg from you the ni'mas of the akhirah. Ya Rabbi Kareem, grant us those a'mal of salih. Grant us those ibadat. Put in our heart that taqwa and haya, which will enable us to get the, the ni'mas of the akhirah. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we want to have the best taqwa. We want to have the best haya. We want to have the best akhlaq. We want to have the best sabr. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we are sick and tired of our own weaknesses. Ya Rabbi Kareem, how long will we keep praying salah without feeling you? How long will we keep praying salah without being able to remember you? Ya Allah, we ask that you give us the lazat of ibadah, the surur of sajda. Put the zikr back into our salah. Put the feeling back into our ibadah. Put the feeling back into our dua. Ya Rabbi Kareem, our hearts have become empty but we have brought them here to you in your bait, in your masjid, in your home. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, we have nothing but sins that we have brought, but we are presenting that sinful heart to you. Ya Allah, we ask that you purify our heart, cleanse our heart, accept our broken hearts. Ya Muqallibul Kulum, Kalim Kulubana. Ya Allah, you are the changer of the hearts, the mender of the hearts, the healer of the hearts, the lover of the hearts. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we are presenting our hearts to you. Accept us, Ya Allah. Ya Rabbi, Ya Allah, we ask that you accept us, Ya Rabbana. Accept our hearts, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Make us amongst ibadik as Make us amongst your true and righteous ibad. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we don't want to be amongst the fusak. We don't want to be amongst the fujar. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we are living in a time of fisk and fujur. A time of fitna and fazad. Ya Allah, do hifazat of our iman. Protect our iman. Safeguard our iman. Protect us from the pitfalls of this world. 
world. Protect us from the attractions of this world. You know, we don't want to notice the beauties of this world. We want to notice the beauties of the deen. We want to know the beauty of your sifat. We want to feel the beauty of the sunnah. We want to feel the beauty of the khuluq azim of Nabi Akreem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You know, take away and divert our heart and eyes from the false beauties of this world and attract and join our heart and eyes to the beauties of the akhirah and deen. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, hume is dunya ki muhabbat se toba karna chate hai. Is dunya ki muhabbat se hume najat ata farma. Hume dunya ki bimari se hume paak saaf farma. Ya Rabbi Kareem, apni muhabbat ata farma. Quran ki muhabbat ata farma. Nabi Kareem sasam ki muhabbat ata farma. Ya Rabbi Kareem, hum dunya ki piche chal chal kar thak ge hai. Ya Rabbi Kareem, hum aap ki deen ki piche chalne wale banna chate hai. Ya Rabbi Kareem, hum sab ko deen wala bana, Quran wala bana, musanna wala bana, hum samad ki dilon ko apni dard tha farma, ya Rabbi Kareem bhoat deer ho gya hai, arsa ho gya hai ki humare dil mein woh tarap aai hai, humare dil mein woh surur aai hai, humare dil woh itminan aai hai, humare dil woh sukoon aai hai, ya Rabbi Kareem, herbani ko mamla farma dijiye, humare dil par apni nazar shafqet anayat farma, apni nazar رحمت انہائیت فرما آپ تو ذو فضل عظیم والی ذات ہے آپ تو فضل اور کرم والی ذات ہے اے رب کریم ہمارے دل کو بھی اپنے فضل والی نظر انہائیت فرما دیجئے اے رب کریم جب تیرے فضل کے فیصلے ہوتے ہیں تو زندگی کے رخ بدن جاتے ہیں سیدہ عمر رضی اللہ تعالیٰ عنہ نکلے اپنے گھر سے ش... نبی کریم اس کو قتل کرنے کے لئے آپ کی نظر کرم ان پر آگئی آپ کا فضل کا فیصلہ ہوا یا رب کریم وہ تو صاحب رسول بنے محب رسول بنے محبوب رسول بنے یا رب کریم آئندہ جب ہم بھی اپنے گھر سے نکلیں اپنے ایمان کو قتل کرنے کی نیت سے اپنے حیاء کو قتل کرنے کی نیت سے اپنے ایمانی کردار کو قتل کرنے کی نیت سے گناہ کی نیت سے یا رب کریم اپنا فضل کرم والی نظر ہم پر بھی ڈال دینا ہمارے ایمان کو محفوظ کر دینا ہمارے ان گناہوں سے ہمیں پھیر دینا مسجد کی طرف لے آنا اپنے یاد نصیب کرنا ہمارے دل میں اپنے خشیت خوف ڈالنا ہم آپ سے وہ دل مانگ رہے ہیں جو آپ کے دھن میں کامتا ہے ہم آپ سے وہ سینے مانگ رہے ہیں جو آپ کے معارف سے منور ہے کرم کا معاملہ فرما دیجئے جب تیری نظر پڑتی ہے فضید ابنیا پر تو وہ اس دنیا کے چوروں کے سردار سے نکل کر یا رب کریم ڈاکوں کے سرداروں سے نکل کر آپ نے اپنے اولیاء کے سرداروں کے فیرس میں ڈال دیا یا رب کریم وہی نظر ہم پر بھی ڈال دیجئے وہ بھی نظر ہم پر بھی ڈال دیجئے وہ تو لوگوں کے مال کے چور ڈاکو تھے یا رب کریم ہم تو اپنے ایمان حیاء کے چور ڈاکو کر چکے ہیں یا رب کریم کرم کا معاملہ فرما دیجئے ہمیں بھی زاہدین سے بنا دیجئے زہد کی تمام کیفیات ہمیں حاصل کر دیجئے رب کریم ہمارے دل سے دنیا کی محبت نکال دیجئے ہمیں شہوات سے پاک صاف ناجائز شہوات سے پاک صاف کر دیجئے رب کریم حرص لانت سے ختم کر دیجئے ہمیں سنت کا حرص عطا فرما قرآن کا حرص عطا فرما آخر کا حرص عطا فرما رب کریم ہمیں اپنی محبت کا حرص عطا فرما رب کریم ہم 
آپ کو پکار رہے ربنا ربنا پکار رہے ارے بکریم تو بھی ہمیں ہر ایک دیکھ کر اب دی پکار دیجیے ہمیں بھی اپنا بنا دیجیے ہم آج آپ سے آپ ہی مانگ رہے ہیں آپ سے آپ کا تعلق چاہتے ہیں ارے بکریم ہم بڑی دور سے آئے ہیں بڑے دیر سے آئے ہیں آپ کے در پر آئے ہوئے ہیں ارے بکریم قبول کر لیجیے قبولیت کے فیصلہ کر لیجیے اپنے رحمت کا معاملہ فرما دیجیے ارے بکریم تمام حاضرین مجلس مرد عورتیں جو بھی جہاں بھی سن رہے ہیں جو بھی اپنے دل میں نیک شریف تمنا رکھتے ہیں ارے بکریم ان تمنا کو قبول کر دیجیے ہمارے دلی فریاد کو قبول کر دیجیے ہمارے دل کو اپنی پسند کے مطابق بنا دیجیے اپنی رضا والی زندگی عطا فرما دیجیے اللہ ہمارے اندر جو بھی صفت کردار آداب انداز کوئی بھی چیز آپ کی پسند کے خلاف ہو یار بکریم اس کو ہم سے چھین لیجیے اس سے بہتر چیز ہمیں عطا کر دیجیے ہم اپنے آپ کو حوالہ کرنا چاہتے ہیں حوالہ کرنا نہیں آتا یار بکریم تجھے تو تو وہ ذات ہے جس کو قبول کرنا آتا ہے ہم آپ سے محبت کرنا چاہتے ہیں ہمیں محبت کرنا نہیں آتا آپ نے تو یو ہب ہم و یو ہبو معاملہ کر دیا یار بکریم ہم سب کو اپنی سچی محبت نصیب کر دیجیے ہم سب کو اپنے چاہنے والے کی فہرست میں شامل کر دیجیے یار بکریم روز روز قدم قدم یا اللہ شیطان نفس ہمیں دھوکہ دیتا ہے واپس گناہ میں گسا دیتا ہے واپس دنیا کی طرف مغروب کر دیتا ہے یار بکریم آپ ہی روز روز قدم قدم اپنے ہدایت نازل فرما دیجیے اگر ہم آپ کو بھول جائیں یار بکریم تو ہمیں کبھی نہ بھولنا تو ہمیشہ ہمیں یاد رکھنا تیری ہدایت ہمیشہ دل پر نازل فرمانا ارے بکریم جتنے غفلت سے ہم کہہ بھی دیں ہم روز تو احدینا تو کہتے ہیں احدینا سرات و مستقیم آپ سے مانگتے ہیں ارے بکریم ہمیں سرات و مستقیم والا بنا دیجیے نبیین صدیقین شہداء صالحین کے نقش قدم پر چلنے والے بنا دیجیے ارے بکریم جو بیمار ہیں ان کی شفا تا فرما ارے بکریم جو مالی طور پر تنگ دست ہیں ان کے رزق حلال طیب نصیب فرما کریم ہم میں سے اکثر جو آپ کی تمام نعمتوں کے ساتھ پھر بھی غفلت کی زندگی گزار رہے ہیں اس غفلت سے ہمیں نجات عطا فرما اس سستی سے ہمیں نجات عطا فرما دین کی طلب عطا فرما دین کی طرف عطا فرما یا رب کریم ہم سب کو دین کی خدمت کے لیے قبول فرما یا رب کریم جو مانگا ہے وہ بھی عطا فرما جو مانگنا تھا نیا مانگ سکے یا رب کریم وہ بھی نصیب فرما نبی کریم صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم نے جو امت کے لیے تمام جو دعائیں کی یا رب کریم ہم سب کو امت کا فرض سمجھتے ہوئے وہ تمام دعا ہمارے بھی حق میں بھی قبول فرما یا رب کریم اس مسجد کو مینار نور بنا اس مسجد کو اس ملک میں دین کا قلعہ بنا قرآن سنت شریف کے اقامت کا سبب بنا احیاء کا سبب بنا تجدید کا سبب بنا یا رب کریم اس مسجد کو ہمیشہ مسلم متقین نصیب فرما مسلم مخلصین نصیب فرما مسلم زاہدین نصیب فرما یا رب کریم اس مسجد اور آئم اور خطیب 
ہزا کی محنت سے اس مسجد کو متقین کا کارخانہ بنا مخلصین کا کارخانہ بنا زاہدین کا کارخانہ بنا کریم ایک بن کر نیک رہنے کی توفیق عطا فرما آپس میں محبت اور ظرف کے ساتھ رہنے کی توفیق عطا فرما یا رب کریم امت مسلم کے جو بھی مظلومین متاثرین جہاں بھی ہیں جس حال میں ہیں تو علیم ذات ہے تو بخوبی واقف ہیں رب کریم ان کے ٹوٹے دلوں کو تسلی دے دیجیے اپنے غیبی خزانوں سے اپنی رحمت نازل فرما دیجیے یا رب کریم جہاں بھی حق ہے اس کو ہمیشہ باطل پر غالب فرما دیجیے یا رب کریم جو ہم سب میں سے جو بھی ہمارے دوست احباب عزیز اکارب مشائق جو فوت ہو چکے ہیں سب کی مغفرت فرما دیجیے جن کی مغفرت کے فیصلے کر چکے ہیں ان کی جنت کے درجات اعلیٰ بلند کر لیجیے اور جو بھی جب بھی جیسے بھی جس نے بھی ہم سے کبھی بھی زندگی میں ہم سب میں سے کبھی زندگی میں دعا کی درخواست کی یا رب کریم ان سب کو ان دعاؤں میں شامل کر لیجیے ربنا تکبل منا انکا انت السمیع العلیم وتوبو علینا انکا انت التواب الرحیم وصلی اللہ تعالی علی حبیبه سیدنا محمد وعلی آلہ وصحبہ اجمعین برحمتک یا الرحمن الرحیم آمین